Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. Why would a man continue his research, writing, collaboration, and leadership to serve the body of Christ at large in the area of youth ministry for more than four decades? How did facing bone marrow cancer both reshape and sharpen his perspectives? on why teenagers matter. This is the story of Dr. Mark Canister, a Christ-centered life reflecting a little light for today and a little hope for tomorrow. We pause here to remind you the reason we have the Good Life program. Well, dear friend, is to share, to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus that is so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. This hope that has touched the heart and life of Mark Canister. And it's our prayer that you too, dear one, would open your heart to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, God's hope. Turn from your way to God's way. That's called repentance. And look, if you already know the Lord, hey, you're going to be encouraged today. I really do believe that. Dr. Mark Canister is professor of Christian ministries at Gordon College. He's the author of Teenagers Matter, Making Student Ministry a Priority in the Church. He earned his doctorate in social and philosophical foundations from University of Pittsburgh, his master's in communications from West Virginia University, and his bachelor's in education from Penn West, California. Mark is married to Nancy. They have two adult children, Casey and Ryan. He and his family are members of Grace Chapel. Mark, welcome to our show. Thank you, Danny. It's good to be here today. Where did you grow up? Grew up in Pittsburgh, southwestern Pennsylvania. What was it like growing up there? Uh, grew up kind of in the suburb of uh, Pittsburgh, uh, not too far from downtown. Became a rabid Steelers fan and Pirates uh, fan. Um, you know, was a teenager in the 70s. Uh, a bit of a Jesus movement going on in Pittsburgh in those days. Uh, got uh, involved in a a very evangelical uh, church that was uh, calling people to Christ. I uh, gave my life to the Lord when I was about 16 years old, and uh, uh, it was a great place to, to grow up. Who would you say influenced you most in your growing up years? Uh, that's a good question. There's uh, Obviously, the, the youth pastor at our church had a very strong influence uh, in my life, uh, helped me to understand who Christ was and what a personal relationship with Christ uh, was like uh, and the importance uh, of that. 
Uh, and then uh, pretty quickly uh, after coming to faith, I started to work uh, at a Christian summer camp uh, in the in the summers in high school, and then through college. And you know, the director of that camp really influenced me and and taught me how to um, how to be a leader and what servant leadership looked like and how to uh, help people around you become better and uh, how to build a team of people in order to further the, the work of the kingdom. Um, and then uh, when, I was, uh, when I was in the church uh, as a youth pastor, um, there was a, a guy who was a bit older than me that um, really helped me understand the importance of uh, networking with other churches and collaborating in ministry with other ministries around the city of Pittsburgh. And, and we had a, a great Pittsburgh youth network of churches that came together, supported one another, uh, ran retreats and summer camps with and for uh, one another. And it was uh, great to be a part of uh, youth ministry in those days in Pittsburgh. Why, why do you feel that, you, that that was so important, that he taught you about networking. And by the way, did you spearhead, or were you that helped spearhead that, that network that grew Well, not, I mean, not to begin with. I mean, I just, uh, you know, stumbled into it as a rookie uh, youth minister. But, uh, yeah, eventually I took on some leadership roles in that ne- uh, networking group. Um, and it was, uh, just became very apparent very quickly that we can do more together than we can do individually. And that was uh, certainly true of, uh, of our ministry and of the greater ministries around Boston where uh, we came together. You talked about the youth camp that you worked at. Mm-hmm. Now, was that a camp that you attended as a teen? No, it wasn't a camp that I attended at all. Um, I never attended a, a camp uh, as a teenager, but um, I got uh, connected with this camp, uh, Summer's Best Two Weeks, which is in Ligonier, Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, the director there, Jim Welsh, uh, kind of just took me under his wing. And, you know, I started as a cabin counselor and then I came, became kind of the program director and you know, ran some of the off-property trips and wilderness trips and so forth. And we learned the behind-the-scenes work of running a camp and um, you know, recruiting and training uh, camp counselors and helping them to uh, become their best as they work to influence teenagers' lives. You touched on the 70s, you mentioned the Jesus movement, you mentioned coming to Christ at an evangelical church. Say a little bit more about that and what was going on in your heart in those early days of life as a person as well as in Christ. Yeah, so I I grew up uh, in this uh, church that had had a very uh, strong and passionate pastor who um, was very outreach oriented, um, and he became the pastor in my teenage years. Now, my mother, you know, dragged my brother and I to church all the time, but really get it? Uh, didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I was 
kind of on the verge of dropping out of church as I entered high school, you know, asking mom, do I have to keep going? And it was about that time that they hired this youth pastor who previously had been on the staff of Young Life. And so he, he ran a very Young Life type of youth ministry as, as a church youth pastor. Um, so the what we might call youth group meetings were very outreach-oriented. Um, he was preaching the gospel. He was calling people to faith. And uh, eventually, after a few of my friends kind of hounded me and told me to come to the youth club, you know, I finally caved in and I went. Um, and I just heard the gospel in a whole different way, uh, a way that I had not really understood uh, before. And it uh, brought a lot of uh, peace to my life. It brought some reconciliation between me and my father. Um, and so I just started to see a very different spirit um, in, my, in my life. You could feel it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And your, your, I assume your parents could see a change in you. Yeah, I think they, they probably did see a bit of a change in me, uh -huh. for sure. What were the circumstances that led to you meeting Nancy? Well, uh, she lived on the other side of town, um, and I was uh, in a church at that time, and she was actually a volunteer leader in the youth ministry that I grew up in at my, uh, my childhood uh, church. And I was uh, friends with the youth minister who was at that church at the time, and he were, and I were part of this youth network. And we were meeting one day, plans for some summer camps uh, things, and he said, I know who you need to meet. And he set us up, and it was a blind date. <laughs> and I met her on the front porch of her condominium. <laughs> so that's how we came to know each other. In, in some ways connected to ministry? Yes, right. Mm -hmm. High school teacher at the time as well. So she was very invested in teenagers, both in the public school as well as the youth that she was a part of. Mark, did you ever take a step or two back and think, why am I so engaged with and so passionate about young people? Well, I think it really stems from the transformation in my own life as a teenager and just seeing my life change for the better um, and uh, just the conviction of the Great Commission uh, that you know, we need to share the good news with everyone. Um, and while some people are you know, passionately called to share that good news through women's ministry and men's ministry, it, for me, it was youth ministry. Uh, I think part of it was the influence of the camping ministry that I was a part of. Part of it was probably the influence of the uh, Christian fellowship in college that I was a part of. And, uh, and I think a lot of it was just that that's the time of life when transformation happened for me. And I wanted to see that happen for other teenagers at that time in their life. You're listening to Dr. Mark Kenister. 
Mark is professor of Christian ministries at Gordon College. He's the author of the book, Teenagers Matter, Making Student Ministry a Priority in the Church. You can find out more about Mark at gordon.edu. His books are available. His book is available. He has other books. I'll mention those in a little while at amazon.com and other uh, book distributing platforms. But again, Mark Canister, gordon.edu. When we come back, we'll talk about teenagers. You know, that when teenagers matter, Mark Canister says, the church comes alive. You might ask why. Well, he'll answer. What do you mean by a comprehensive view of student ministry? What is that? Mark Canister will talk to us about that and more when we come back. Find out more about him again at gordon.edu. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life Namelessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Prior to joining the Gordon College faculty in 1992, Dr. Mark Canister spent 15 years serving in both church and parachurch organizations. He served as vice president and president of the Society of Professors of Christian Education in 1994. He joined with two dozen colleagues from across the country to create the Association of Youth Ministry Educators. He joins us today. He is the author of the book, Teenagers Matter, Making Student Ministry a Priority in the Church. You can find out more about him at gordon.edu. Look, if you're tuning in right now, maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, you can get this program in its entirety. Just go to drdanny.live. This podcast is available for you at Spotify, Apple, and other major podcast platforms. Mark, you say that when teenagers matter, you write about this in your book, Teenagers Matter, that when teenagers matter, the church comes alive. Why? Well, I think a lot of times... Um yeah, adults can be measured in their faith, and uh, teenagers can often uh, create a spark 
uh, with their enthusiasm, their vibrancy, uh, even their naiveteness of faith, uh, where they're not afraid to really show their faith, and they often live it out um, in a way that sometimes uh, us adults don't. Uh, The older we get, the more kind of used to our faith uh, we become, the more entrenched we become in our faith and in our beliefs, where teenagers are continuing uh, to explore their faith, um, ask the hard questions, wrestle with different issues, um, and and bring that youth and that vitality um, uh, to a church. Now, now sometimes we bury that vitality um, in the youth room or in the basement or wherever we relegate teenagers to. Uh, but in, in order for teenagers to really bring vitality to the church, um, what I'm suggesting is that we uh, we allow teenagers to be fully involved in every aspect of the church, that we allow them to be part of the worship team, we allow them to be part of the tech team, we allow them to be the greeters at the front door, to help with the uh, coffee and hospitality after the services, uh, so that they become an interwoven piece of the fabric that we call the church, and they begin touching the lives of everyone in the church, um, rather than just being set aside or set off into the, the youth room uh, where they you know, are neither seen nor heard by the rest of the congregation. Is this what you mean? by a comprehensive view of student ministry, or is there more to it than that? Well, that's certainly a piece of it. Um, the, the biggest aspect of a comprehensive ministry would be to juxtapose that to what I would call service ministry. Now, I think all of our churches have youth ministries that would fall into the service ministry category. And by that I mean it's a ministry that is primarily designed to serve the parents of the church who have teenagers. It's not even necessarily designed to serve the teenagers themselves, though of course it is created for teenagers to participate in. Um, but you often hear uh, stories in churches that when uh, something happens in a youth ministry that a parent doesn't like, that the youth pastor is called on the carpet. And things need to change in order for the parents to be satisfied. And of course, what, what parents want is they want their teenagers to be nurtured in the faith. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Every parent um, should want their teenagers to be nurtured in the faith, both in their home as well as at church. Um, But if that's all we do, then that could be categorized as really good Christian education of youth. But if we're going to do youth ministry, And if we're going to do comprehensive youth ministry, 
then we need to be concerned not only about the teenagers growing up in the church, but also about the teenagers in the community surrounding the church. So a comprehensive youth ministry would certainly include discipleship and nurturing of teenagers, but it would also include outreach to teenagers beyond the walls of the church. And reaching teenagers beyond the walls of the church doesn't just reach teenagers. Most often in a non-religious family, it's the teenagers who are most open to spiritual conversations. And I have seen time and time again that when a teenager comes to faith, then they end up dragging mom and dad to church for Christmas Eve service or for Easter service. And mom and dad become interested because they see a change in their child. And before you know it, a whole family is now come to faith and has become a part of this church. And it all started with the teenager, not with the adult. So when we think about reaching people outside the church, I believe one of the most effective ways to reach adults outside the church is to reach teenagers outside the church, and adults will come following their teenagers. As you speak about the comprehensive view of student ministry, there seems to be a bridge between the Christian education that is offered mm-hmm. and this comprehensive, which includes outreach. Yeah. There's a redemptive component to it. Right. But you did talk about parents. Yeah. And in your book, you talk about stakeholders. Talk to us about stakeholders in church and why they have impact or lack of impact on youth. So, I think you need to, you know, take a step back and realize um, without criticism that the church is created uh, by adults for adults. Take a look at any church plant. Any church plant will start with a small group of adults who are trying to plant a new church as the Spirit is leading them. And their first inclination is to recruit other adults and to reach out to other adults, usually who are of similar age and background as they are. And as that church grows, it grows with adults, and then those adults start bringing their children and in sometimes bringing their teenagers. And then all of a sudden, the church leadership realizes, okay, we we need a children's ministry because we have a lot of people that have children. So so we need a nursery, and we need an elementary school program. Uh, And then those kids start growing up, and other adults start joining the church who have teenagers, and the leadership says, okay, we need... We need something for our teenagers. Um, You also see this in established churches. Whenever you um, are sitting with a group of 
people who are in some sort of a new members type class. It's pretty common to just go around the circle and say, what brought you to this church? What drew you? Oftentimes people will say, we really enjoy the services. But people will say, yeah, we heard you have a really good children's ministry. Or we heard you have a really good teenage ministry. And so we wanted to be a part of this. So when, when you kind of peel back the layers of the church, you realize that church leadership is looking to other stakeholders, which tend to often be, when it comes to children and youth ministry, parents of children and youth ministry. They often look to those parents for guidance of what kind of a children's ministry would you like? What kind of a youth ministry would you like? I, I can't imagine that there hasn't been a church in the history of the church that hasn't had parents complain about the children's ministry at one point or another. You know? And so the church leaders taking guidance from the parents. Oh, okay. We, and yeah, maybe that lesson was a little bit too much for the second graders. You know? And all of a sudden, that parent is asked to be on the curriculum review committee. Could you help us choose a better curriculum? So parents have a huge stake because parents want their kids to grow up uh, in the faith. You're stepping on a few toes here. <laughs> I know. Mark Canister, <laughs> as you speak, someone might be recoiling in there as they listen to the podcast or this radio broadcast. But nonetheless, you're, you're saying things that are important to you. You're, these are research-based uh, thoughts and ideas that you're presenting that you've written about. And of course, Decades of ministry. And I would imagine this would be something that you you strongly believe someone has to say it. Someone has to address these concerns. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think we have to, to think deeply about this. And, and so this, you know, this brings us to the hard, uh, the, the hard conversation. Um, and, and I'll probably offend a few more people here. When it comes to youth ministry, and when it comes to teenagers, um, and, and my kids are grown now, but I remember when they were teenagers not that long ago, the number one priority of all parents of teenagers is to keep them safe. They want to keep them safe from drugs. They want to keep them safe from alcohol. They want to keep them uh, safe from being bullied. They want to. They want them to come home every night in the car after they've gotten their driver's license safe and sound. Um, and it is a natural and rational instinct of all parents to keep children safe. So what happens when a youth ministry and a youth leader start to reach out to kids in the community and those kids start to show up at the youth group meetings a lot of the church parents don't view those kids as safe for their kids to be around and they fear that those kids 
are going to influence their kids away from the Lord, as opposed to hoping and praying that their kids will draw these outside kids into the Lord. And it's a rational and it's a natural and it's an understandable fear, but it goes against our very scriptures that call us to be Jesus to those outside of the church. Mark Hannister is, yes, he is stepping on toes, but saying things that, that need to be said, at least brought into the conversation, and some dialogue to take place. Perhaps as you're listening today, you're thinking, you know, there's something to it. Maybe as you're listening today, that's something that you've been stirred up about all along, and he's putting it into words. Or maybe you are a bit offended by this because this is something that you've been trying to avoid, almost like a a sense that this could happen and it might endanger the very one you love. Well, hey, we're all about conversation and dialogue here at the Good Life Program, and Mark Annister is here to share with us Dr. Mark Gannister, Professor of Christian Ministries at Gordon College. Find out more about him at gordon.edu. When we come back, what is the good enough principle? And why should we be concerned? How does it relate even with our conversation right now? And in what way, going further, are the comprehensive student ministry that Mark suggests address dangers in society. That and more, Mark Canister, Gordon.edu. Stay with us. We'll be right back. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Dr. Mark Canister is the author of Teenagers Matter, Making Student Ministry a Priority in the Church. He's also a contributing author to Teaching the Next Generations, a comprehensive guide for teaching Christian formation and the book Adoptive Youth Ministry, Integrating Emerging Generations into the Family of Faith. He's prolific, written both in journals as well as 
books, and he joins us today. You can find out more about Dr. Mark Canister at gordon.edu. Mark, what is the good enough principle that you write about in your book, Teenagers Matter? So in, in just about any uh, ministry, you have a variety of aspects uh, to it. And uh, you know, Rick Warren uh, wrote about this in his uh, famous uh, book, The Purpose Driven Church. And uh, Doug Fields wrote about it in the Purpose Driven Youth Ministry book, which was the best-selling youth ministry book of all time. And, uh, and so there are basically five areas that just about every ministry incorporates. Uh, uh, worship, uh, just about every ministry, uh, whether it's children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, uh, women's ministry, there's an element of worship when those groups of people gather together. Uh, there's uh, an element of community and fellowship. Uh, that you want to uh, cultivate among a group of teenagers, just like you would a a group of adults as they come together. Uh, There is this element of of service uh, and communion where you, you want young people to learn to serve one another and to serve the greater community. Most youth ministries have um, missions, community service days, uh, those kinds of uh, things that are a part uh, of their their ministry. Um, Then you have uh, have outreach, uh, which is about reaching people outside the group and beyond the walls uh, of and the good enough ministry that I describe is a ministry that is primarily focused on oh let me go back I'm uh, the big one discipleship we all want teenagers to grow in their faith so when you you talk to parents you talk to pastors and church staff members you know usually the top two things that they want out of a youth is discipleship, spiritual formation. They want their children to grow in the faith, and they want fellowship. They want them to be connected to other believing teenagers. They want their child's best friends to be strong Christians. So that's two out of the five. And often, that's what we really settle for are just those two, a ministry of discipleship and community. Now, you don't usually get much pushback if there's— So that's good enough. That's that's good enough. A lot of churches settle for that as being good enough of a youth ministry for our church. Now, you don't usually get much pushback if you add the element of— uh, where was I, of uh, worship uh, to it, you don't usually get a whole lot of pushback when you add the element of service to it, though sometimes uh, people become concerned about international mission trips, so that's usually a bit of a conversation there. But the place that um, the pushback comes is when you begin to invite people teenagers who are far from God, who are outside of the church, to become part of the ministry. And a comprehensive youth ministry 
would include all five of those elements of a robust ministry. So you speak of this, and we touched on it briefly in the last segment, but there's this outreach component or redemptive Mm -hmm. component to the comprehensive ministry that that is the the overlap as it were that is the the toe stepper element of things now when it comes to engaging they 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 seem to be dangerous how are youth ministries to be redemptive in community when you talk about the single story for example about Susan Boyle and Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. How do those relate? The story of the the single story related in these two celebrities mm-hmm. and how that relates to the comprehensive history that you described. Well, it, we create, we tend to create a single story for our teenagers, uh, even just for the teenagers growing up in the church now. Whenever we create guardrails that are so tight and so narrow that we don't allow for questions. We don't allow teenagers to um, raise questions. And, And yet, when any of us adults, including me, uh, reflect back on our teenage years and reflect back on when we first came to faith, um, we realize pretty quickly that faith development is not just an up and to the right, I have all the answers immediately, there's no doubts, no question. So in order to avoid this idea of a narrow single story, we, we need to create safe places in our youth ministries where teenagers are allowed to ask the hearts, where they're allowed to express their, their doubts, um, where they don't feel like when they walk into the youth group, they have to become something or somebody that they're really not. Um, And it's only when we allow teenagers to work through all of these issues and these doubts and these wonderings um, and explore the the, the mystery of faith that they genuinely develop a faith of their own. Up until that point, they're often living off of the faith of their parents, They're often living off of the faith of their youth pastor. They're living off of the faith of their their church. And they're not well prepared to um, live out their faith um, in the real world um, because they haven't yet really wrestled through some of the issues that are in their minds. We can have these preconceived ideas about a person. Mm -hmm. It might not only be young people, a teen. So that's why I was struck by the examples that you gave about Chimamanda and Mm -hmm. and, and Susan Boyle, the the singer, 
who no one thought she she fit every stereotype right yeah mm-hmm. until she opened her voice mm-hmm. yeah. and sang well and that that's the other half of of it is that we you know we stereotype um teenagers outside the church as those teenagers um we often think of teenagers as being loud and rude and obnoxious um and sometimes, you know, dangerous and dangerous in the way they might influence, you know, my kids. So, but as you get to know them, you know, you find out they're real people. They're also created in the image of God. God also wants to work in their lives. Um, and, you know, we need to, we need to open up uh, our story of teenagers in that sense and we need to allow teenagers, as they're growing in their faith, to expand their story of faith by allowing them to work through their doubts and their questions. You're listening to Dr. Mark Canister. When we come back, we'll talk more in our final segment and also have a time of prayer. But I did mention early on, as we started this show, facing a tough season in life, and the reshaping and sharpening of his perspectives on why teenagers matter. We'll talk about that. How has the Lord helped him personally through challenging times recently? That and more. And again, a time of prayer, dear friend. Find out more about him. Gordon.edu. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, You will receive a letter updating you on some of the -the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. So you might be saying, you mentioned Susan Boyle and you mentioned mentioned another person by the name of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. What, what, What are you talking about, Danny? Well, we're talking about, and then Mark and I were talking about this right during the break, about the single story. You know how people, when they saw Susan Boyle, Britain's Got Talent, she said, I'm going to sing I Dreamed the Dream. But when you looked at her, many even in the audience began shaking their head until she opened her mouth. And Chimamanda Nosi Adichie is a Nigerian writer who, there's a story that Mark says when she came to 
to college in the United States, her roommate asked her about writing and or music, and she says, well, she, she enjoyed listening to Mariah Carey and how the roommate was so shocked by the fact that she even knew that. Again, preconceived ideas, we might be very off about it. And Mark Canister says, hey, be careful with that, even when we think about young people. Welcome back to our show. Find out more about Dr. Mark Canister at gordon.edu. Again, that's gordon.edu. DrDanny.live is how you can get these podcasts available for you. Mark, how has the Lord helped you personally, recently, through challenging times? Well, uh, a couple years ago, you know, I was uh, diagnosed with a bone marrow cancer uh, that uh, is a very uh, debilitating uh, cancer and required a transplant. Uh, and so I went through that uh, process and uh, the good people at Mass General Hospital uh, were able to successfully uh, provide me uh, with that bone marrow transplant. Um, and I'm doing quite well uh, today, uh, thanks to God and modern medicine. Um, but, you know, receive a, a diagnosis like that, uh, it turns your world upside down. Uh, it makes your, your head, you're not sure exactly uh, what the future holds or where your uh, life is, is headed uh, or what your life is, uh, is going to look like you know, in the coming months. Uh, so uh, that was a very, uh, very challenging moment uh, for me uh, in the, the summer of uh, 2021 uh, when I learned that uh, this uh, cancer had really settled into my bone marrow and I was going to have a, a significant transplant uh, to and hopefully uh, eradicate it and put it into remission. You spoke in a masterful way at the Gordon College Chapel in January and you, 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 you made a, a point in, in, in such a intriguing sense when you talked about a little light for today, a little hope for tomorrow. Say more about that in relation to young people today, but people broadly yeah. who may be going through a really challenging time. Well, I, we don't have time for me to tell the whole story. If, uh, if people would like to watch that chapel address, they can go to gordon.edu and just go to the chapel page and you can uh, get the link there to the, uh, the YouTube channel. How powerfully done, and I think you did it in 17 minutes. That has that. Well, it, yeah, about 17 or 20 <laughs> minutes. But, uh, yes. Uh, you know, it, it, we, the beginning of the year, we always have a faculty gathering and, um, it was, you know, that was very shortly after I had this diagnosis and I was in to meet with teams of doctors and nurses and appointment after appointment after appointment. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's the faculty workshop and classes are going to start the next week. And my head was just kind of spinning in chaos and I just felt paralyzed, um, and one of my friends and colleagues um, got up to share a little sto some stories of uh, his life uh, 
with the faculty, and he just told this story of being at a friend's house uh, who had a lot of ancient artifacts, and he had this uh, really tiny clay piece that was unrecognizable. Um, and my friend said, what is this? And his friend uh, said, well, you know, that's an ancient oil lamp. He said, but it's so small. He said, you know, how much light could it possibly give off? And his friend said, oh, it'll give off enough light for one step. And in that moment, you know, the Lord just kind of cleared the chaos from my mind and helped me understand and brought back all these scriptures to my mind about light and about Jesus being the light and about having the light um, and about and just needing enough light for one more step. And if I had for the day, then that would likely produce enough hope for tomorrow. And if I have enough hope for tomorrow, then I'll have enough light for tomorrow. And if I have enough light for tomorrow, I'll have enough hope for the next day. And in many ways, that's where I, that's how I started to live my life. I mean, my, the chaos was gone in that moment, but I still recognized that I was stuck. I was still kind of paralyzed by all of this medical stuff that was going on. So, okay, I'm not in a chaotic storm anymore, but I'm still stuck. So how do I move forward? And it was that reminder that with the light of Christ, we always have enough light for today, enough hope for tomorrow. A prayer. Someone today needed that reminder, pray through. Pray that this lesson that you've learned, that you share, may not only bring hope to someone in their moment mm -hmm. today. Yeah, and, and before I say that, let me just add that, um, you know, this is true for teenagers too, um, that we, we need to be the light for teenagers. We need to shine our light in the world, in the world of teenagers, wherever we might run into them, whoever we are, in order that they might have hope and that they might you know, receive the light of Christ. So let me pray for us today. Lord, we do thank you, gracious, for all that you have given us, for all that you are for the light that shines bright uh, in our lives and in our communities. Help us to be light for one another. Help us to build communities of light that give hope to one another and hope to those outside the church. Give hope to teenagers uh, outside the church that when we are struggling and when we are paralyzed, when we are stuck, when we don't know where to turn, that we can turn to you, knowing that you always give us enough light for, and enough hope for tomorrow. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Mark, you worked on, you developed the Journal of Youth Ministry. You've been on the advisory board of Youth Work Journal and a manuscript referee for 
Christian Education Journal. In your ongoing work with Teenagers Matter, you also go on to say that when teenagers matter, ministry is well-resourced. You say when teenagers matter, they become part of the church. Programming is simple. Parents matter. The next generation is unleashed. Let's touch on these just briefly in these closing as a, a way to, in a way, reshape the existing perspective that we have in light of the light that you talk about shining for young people. How are ministries well-resourced when teenagers matter? Well, you know, the obvious, you know, quick answer is that we spend more money on it than uh, maybe we're first inclined to. Um, but it's not just money. Um, yeah, it's also volunteers. We need people, you know, in the church to step up and volunteer to be youth leaders, to be volunteer leaders, to uh, be Sunday school teachers, um, to allow God to touch their hearts and develop a passion um, for teenagers. Uh, we need to, you know, maybe rethink our budgets a bit and think about how we could, you know, allocate some of our missionary budget toward youth ministry programs designed to reach teenagers outside the walls of the church. Uh, we need to think about how to bring in um, college students uh, in the summertime as interns to uh, give a, a boost to the summer programming and allow them to help be a, a resource there. So in those ways. Mark Canister <laughs> expands on these and more with great depth, a tremendous resource for you Teenagers Matter is his book, and it's available at Amazon.com. Book distributors are available for you there. Just find out more at gordon.edu. And Mark Canister's book, Teenagers Matter, Making Student Ministry a Priority in the Church. Would you do that? Would you make teenagers, that ministry, a priority in your church. That's our challenge. That's his heart. Even in the midst of some death-defying experiences with a reframed perspective on the value and necessity of this. Mark, thank you for being with us today for your words of hope and encouragement. Thank you, Danny. It's been great to be here. Indeed, encouraging words from Dr. Mark Canister, Gordon.edu. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and uh, there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, I believe this might be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, major platforms. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Mark Canister, gordon.edu. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone 
today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.